3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on Vsin, the sports betting network. Sharp
4: Money Hour 2 here on Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. I'm Patrick Maher, Amal Shaw, of course Dustin Sweetelson. We're 9 days out from Super Bowl 58. 2 is the number. San Francisco's laying at 47 and a half on the total. We'll take Uh, Our buddy Alex Noops Christensen on the program right now. Love Noops. Hoops with Noops over at FTN. You want to check out the show? At underscore Noops on Twitter. He's got first touchdown score for us, some odds, and also some NBA as well. Hi, Noops. Nice to see you. Let's start with the NBA because I bet a game that you're on early today and the number's gone in our direction. So Orlando's at Minnesota, a bit of a revenge spot. Noops for the magic here. They're getting healthy. It was eight and a half with Orlando catching it at Minnesota earlier. Now it's dipped all the way down to six and a half.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a really interesting matchup of old-school NBA basketball. This is one of the lowest totals that we've seen just about all season. Just double-checking right now, it's 213, up from 211, which in a year where we've seen totals in the 150s, 160s is amazing. It's two really good defensive teams, teams full of long, athletic, smart defenders. And the game, I think, kind of turns in one place. The Atlanta Magic are the second-best team in the NBA at turning – their opponents over generating turnovers getting into the fast break and scoring minnesota is one of the five worst teams in the nba of terms of turning it over to their opponent i look at these they're very close teams minnesota's a little more talented but i had this one closer to four so i was happy to grab eight again it started to drop down we're looking at six and a half which is probably just about where i draw the line maybe cross your fingers and hope it bounces back to seven but i like the magic tonight Alex, uh, Sacramento goes to Indiana, taking
3: on the Pacers here. A return for DeMonte Sabonis back to his old home there. They are laying three on the road here. Tell us which side you like and why.
0: Yeah, I like the dog here, and it's tough to back the Sacramento Kings on the road. But long before the Indiana Pacers were showing us what pace meant, what shooting a lot of threes and not playing a lot of defense meant, the Sacramento Kings had been doing it for years. It's just kind of two versions of the same team. Indiana, this is a really tough spot for them tonight. It's the second night of a back-to-back. They have injuries all over the roster. Miles Turner is questionable. Jalen Smith is questionable. Those are their only two real centers. Now, you maybe don't need a center against Sacramento tonight, but it's just tough to be missing that many players. Halliburton listed is questionable. He did play last night with a minutes limit. If he does play tonight, again, going to be that same 22 minutes that they've limited to in the first games. But I think there's a chance he doesn't play tonight. It just seems like a really messy spot for Indiana. Going against a team in Sacramento, again, that matches up very well. They're happy to play the same kind of basketball that Indiana wants to play, and I think they could do it better. De'Aaron Fox, one of the fastest guards in the league, a great shooter, should have a really good night tonight. And Sabonis, as you mentioned, going back to Indiana, always does well there and should again tonight. So love the matchup. Like the Sacramento Kings, minus three, even if this gets to four, which I'm starting to see some 3 and 4s that's fine too. I make this seven.
4: Yeah, Alex, it's a great, as you mentioned, advantageous schedule spot for the Kings. And I told the the Halliburton question is huge here, right? Because I totally agree. I I think there's a chance he doesn't play. He's come back from injury, played 22 minutes and then 22 minutes again last night. So even if he does play, you're not getting obviously 100 percent Halliburton. The Kings uh, in a revenge spot. Totally agree. Now. Let's go to Dustin on this. Dustin just texted me a question he wants me to ask, but I'll let him do the favor because it's all about his future ticket with Jalen Brunson, big guy. What do you got? Well, Noobs
5: knows this. Like, when you bet these futures, you just want them to feel real for a minute. And like a couple of weeks ago, I bet 125 to one on Jalen Brunson MVP. Followed it up a couple of days ago, bet 150 to one. My buddy texted me yesterday, "Hey, I'm seeing an offshore book has 300 to one. I don't touch it. The book I bet with here at 90 to one. I was like, Yeah, let's see how tonight goes. Well, last night happens, noobs, and now I've seen him dropped all the way to 50 to one on DraftKings, some other places 30 to one. What do you make of the narrative and the case for Jalen Brunson to get into this MVP conversation?
0: So, Dustin, I'm trying to think of a way to answer this positively because <laughs> you started with the question or the thought that you wanted these tickets to feel like they're real. And it's a lot of fun. But let's take a step back and think about kind of that odds move again, about 100 to one before the game yesterday. Now down to 60, 50 to one. It sounds like a big move, but it's really not 100 to one. You're looking at about a one percent chance, about a one percent break even profitability. 50 to 1, it's still only 2%. Now, again, it's twice of 1, but you're still only at 2%. There's just a really, really small percentage chance that he wins. I think that you did a good job. You got a nice number. You'll have some equity, but unfortunately, I don't think you'll be cashing that ticket. It's a really small race. MVP is one of my favorite awards in any sports because it generally goes to great players who have great seasons and uh, Brunson just is not quite in the same category of guys like Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and maybe even Shea Gildress Alexander.
4: Dustin, I heard you laughing when Noops said he doesn't love the ticket. Now, you're not allowed to be cool to the guests when they disagree with you and then get mad at me in a mall when we disagree with you. But so could you like – would
5: you like to explain yourself here? Well – I thought he was going to, like, hit me with a little bit more that the ticket could have a chance, but he absolutely crushed it. And I was going to be annoyed at him. But then he said Giannis' last name better than I could ever attempt to say it. So I have to give him the respect and just say, all right, my Brunson ticket's not going to be alive very much longer. So it was a good, like, I don't know, three-hour run for me today. Okay, well, let's do this.
4: Let's go to the MVP market, Alex, and Jokic is 140. So I believe last week he was plus 250 at DraftKings. He's minus 140. You mentioned SGA, OKC, plus 275. Luka's five and a half to one, Giannis seven. And you got to keep searching for Embiid because he's not going to play the limit. He's got to get to a certain amount of games, 65, I believe it is.
0: Yeah, he's got to get to 65 games. I think if he plays in their next game, there's still only two or three games he can miss for the rest of the year. You just kind of have to cross him off your list. Uh, Apologies to anybody that got a great number on him, and it's one of those situations where uh, it's going to be tough, and everyone's going to talk for years about how great of a season he had, but Jokic was MVP, and uh, when I look at this list, it's a very, very small list. I think Jokic deserves to be the favorite. Maybe he should even be a little bit of a Mora favorite. Uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, I understand why he's second. I think maybe that's speaks to more. Some of the liability sports books might have from his number being bet just about all season. But when I look at it, it's really three guys to me. Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I think Jokic is a big favorite, but if you don't have any Doncic, if you don't have any Giannis, I think those two are worth bets. They're just, you put the two together, they are, have the statistical profile, they're taking teams that look a little flawed and kind of making them into something better. So if the Bucs can push up to a top two seed in the East, if Dallas can push up into a top three or four seed, in the West that's going to be very live for a group of voters that are probably just a little bored and fatigued to voting for Jokic. So it's kind of a three-man race for me. Noops, let's go to the uh, prop market
3: here in the Super Bowl. You've got the first TD. You've got a bunch of guys here as options. Kittle's t- uh, Kittle 10-1, Mahomes 20-1, to 1, MBS 30-1, to 1, uh, Purdy 33-1 to 1
0: here. Yeah, it's a really fun market. I love handicapping first touchdown score. It's a really a lot of fun. I think we only had one game this year without a touchdown if we had any. So uh, you get through. It's, you know, a lot of people like to have that menu of touchdown betters, but I think there is a little more value if you can come down here and start to look. And when you're in high profile games like this, it. Things get a little tighter, you know. Uh, the market has done a good job. They know McCaffrey, Pacheco, and Kelsey. Those are your three favorites, and that absolutely makes sense. Your next couple guys, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, again, that makes sense to me there. But I start with George Kittle. I think that he's is odd should be a little closer to Kelsey's uh, for what he does for the 49ers for the way that they're going to want to attack this Kansas City defense. I expect him to have a big game. I'll probably be betting him to score a touchdown. You trying to use him in any sort of DFS lineups? Really like the matchup for them. Uh, him. And at 10 to 1, 11 to 1, you can find on him. I think that's a great bet. And then going a little further down the list, guys like Patrick Mahomes, uh, he has scored a touchdown, I think, in all but one Super Bowl he's played in. Um, runs around a lot, does a lot for this team. And I think, again, when you get to these games, you want to try to think of a little more outlier scenarios. Teams have had two weeks to plan. You know, the San Francisco 49ers know that it's going to be something to Kelsey, um, you know, maybe a jet sweep to Rasheed Rice, stuff like that. They're prepared for that. What they might not be prepared for is Mahomes rolling out. What they might not be prepared for is somebody like Marquez Valdez Scantling going long. Somebody who's been on the field, second most snaps of any Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver last week and the last couple weeks combined. He's getting targets in the red zone. He's 30 to one. Um and then again Brock Purdy you know you're the Chiefs you're ready for the idea uh, I'm sorry you're the Chiefs you're ready for the 49ers it's gonna be Debo it's gonna be McCaffrey uh, you know Purdy they've been using him a lot more in sneaks after a long season of trying to protect him they've been running their own version of the tush push I think there's definitely a chance he gets it if they get to goal and one and McCaffrey is um, a little tired or unable to run it in and then guy like um, Kyle Juszczyk and Noah Gray again way way down the list 40 to 1 50 to 1 uh, expect gadget plays expect kind of stuff that we haven't seen all year use checks um, snap counts have been rising as targets have been rising as so is Noah gray i think they both have chances as well to score first at nice big fat numbers on kind of a gadget play
4: i know alex it's not official so as far as your notes and a play but just give us an idea over the next minute 49ers chiefs 49ers right now lane two 47 and a half on the total
0: It's a really, really interesting matchup, and I'm trying to struggle with what we saw last week. We saw a Kansas City team come out, look like a veteran team, really punch the Ravens in the mouth and just sort of keep going. And we saw Baltimore get nervous, and I look at this matchup, and it feels kind of like the same game where you've got a team in the 49ers that I think is objectively more talented than the Chiefs, that matches up well, that should be able to run the ball. Again, Kansas City's defense has been pretty solid all year, but not against the run, and we saw Baltimore have success in the first quarter for the one drive they decided to run the ball and I don't expect to see the 49ers do that whether or not they get down early I expect him them to continue to push so I'm going to find myself on some 49ers wagers here minus two I'll try to find an alt spread maybe play a two and a half something like that try to get a little better juice but I just think the matchup lines up well for the 49ers and as tough as it is to go against the magical combination of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes who we just might be in the middle of the next best quarterback ever in the history of the NFL here but I like the 49ers beautiful
4: alex Noops christensen you can check out over with our buddy mike randall hoops with noops at ftn at underscore noops n-o-o-p-s on twitter thank you alex appreciate it have a good weekend thanks gentlemen always a fun time being here best of luck thank you love having you i, I like that noops is a minimalist like me i'm just in front of my wall he's in front of a white wall we like that we're back sharp money
7: To start listening
3: this is sharp money with patrick maher and amal shaw on vsin the sports betting network
4: Okay, Omaha Steaks. We talk about it every day for good reason. They're tremendous. With Omaha Steaks, you're going to fall in love at first bite with their tender steaks, juicy burgers, air-chilled chicken, and more. You're going to love every bite. It's Omaha Steaks guarantee. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash VSIN, you're going to get four free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy, boneless pork chops with your order. A minimum purchase may apply. V- oh, excuse me, omahastakes.com slash VSIN. We got you back here. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. I'm Patrick Maher, Omal Dustin Sweetelson. We've got our buddy Mike Samich joining us in the third hour, per usual on a Friday. We've got Dalen Cuff coming up in about 14 minutes. Talk a little college basketball. We're getting close to March, of course. <laughs> Selection Sunday, not too far away. Uh, conference tournament time, not too far away. So we'll have a little fun with some college hoops coming up. I did want to bring up. Something that is quite fascinating. And if you guys missed it last night during the show, LeBron James and Anthony Davis were ruled out against the Celtics. Now, going into the matchup, the Celtics were 22 and two at home in Boston. Okay, so that means you've got Austin Reeves, Rui Horchimara and a couple of guys going up against Tatum Porzingis. He was healthy. Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday. And what happened, of course, is 15 point dogs, literally a pickup team, beat the Celtics, who are obviously the one seed in the East, 114-105. Austin Reeves had 32. Good job by the big guy with the assist on D 16 and 14 for D And I think the only thing you can take away from it, boys, forget about what the Lakers did. It has nothing to do with this narrative. There's a reason, continuously, year after year, you can't trust this Celtic team. And if you want to say, oh, it's a random game on February 1st, go ahead. Feel free to say that. It should be legitimately 50% effort with Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and Drew Holiday, and you should beat this team by 20. Not 10, 20. That Lakers squad was a zero that Lakers team had just lost back to back games to the Houston Rockets and the Atlanta Hawks. You're 22 and two at home and you get, wait for it, blown out by the LeBron and Davis, less Lakers. That Celtic team is a fraud. The coach is a fraud. Tatum will always be a fraudulent superstar. I know our headquarters for DraftKings are in Boston, and they're probably bitter at me saying this. Jason Tatum is the most overrated superstar we've seen in this league in many, many years. And Jalen Brown isn't a superstar. Period. End of statement. That's my take. Boys, anything?
3: Lots to unpack there. First of all, love your rant, and I agree with you on Jason Tatum. I mean, this is a very good player, but he's been categorized as a superstar. Jalen Brown reminds me of when Joe Johnson got that huge contract. You're like, of course he's going to sign it because you offered him the money. And it's the same thing with Jalen Brown. Boston overpaid for a player that's very good, but not elite. This was the first time in 21 games that the Boston Celtics were 15 point or more favorites and lost outright. I mean, they had a 20-0 streak going, and you lose to your rival here in the Lakers. They absolutely actually get embarrassed, lose by nine points at home. By the way, Dustin, great call as Patrick mentioned on D'Angelo Russell, seven and a half over. Boom, no problem there. But Patrick, I think this is a bigger issue. You mentioned Joe Mazzulla, the ineptness in terms of the coaching, the inconsistency with Boston. That's why I think when you're looking at an NBA Finals champion, it's hard to back somebody from the East. Milwaukee's inconsistent. Boston's inconsistent. We don't believe in Philadelphia. Are the Knicks really going to be there? It's hard to select which team's going to rise to the top, but this is an embarrassing performance by the Boston Celtics. You you mentioned it perfectly. All they had to do is roll the ball out and give fifty percent effort, and they're winning this game.
4: And by the way, they—they're your favorites. They're your big time, like three to one, as opposed to four and a half to one. Now, obviously, the reason the West, someone like the Nuggets, going to be championship odds, going to be harder to get out of the West. So they're four and they're a dollar fifty longer than the Celtics, but the Celtics are three to one to win a championship. If you're betting three to one on this soft ass Celtics team to win a championship, you need your head
3: checked. I think this is simply a case of having the Western Conference where we're looking at just take a look at the top four real quickly. Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Denver, and the Clippers. I mean, if those are your final four teams, you got to go through that series and then another series to get to the finals. I think it's such a gauntlet where you could be looking at potentially playing 12, 13, 14 games in the, in the second and third round in the Western Conference, whereas Boston, they should be able to potentially get through with 12 victories and no worse than maybe 18 games.
4: They are three to one. I mentioned. Let's take a look at the East. Well, uh, conference. The they're oh, they're they're plus a dollar thirty. It's horrible. So it's crazy. Two thirty on the Bucks, which I'm not in love with them. Um, the seventy six ers seven to one. The Knicks ten to one. The Heat
5: twelve to one. I, honestly, ten to one on the Knicks right now. Let's freaking go. I have eleven to one, and part of it is is that I don't fear Boston. Because when you look at when Tatum and Brown, when they first started making the postseason, I believe Horford was there too, 2018. And they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, played the Cavs, pushed them there. But they never got better. Like, they never... They never looked like a team that had the maturity to figure out how to get past that point. They, they're they still figuring this out, and they've added all these other pieces, but they still don't have that killer in them. They don't have that dog in them. And I think Jalen Brown, to, with, with you, Patrick, I think he is so freaking overrated. I think he can have nights where he goes off. He is not a consistent basketball player. He's not no. a guy who they who can carry this team when Tatum really has an off night. Porzingis is always hurt. So I, just, I don't fear Boston. That's That's why I liked my Knicks ticket. And when you look at the other options, I definitely do fear Milwaukee. But there is there is something missing. And that's why they made the coaching change with losing Drew Holiday and swapping him out for Damian Lillard when it comes to defense. Now, in the playoffs, I think it becomes a little bit different with Lillard late in games. And then the Sixers weren't in while Maxie was absolutely insane last night i texted both of you at halftime why are we not hammering maxi over 46 and a half in game he has 32 at the break it feels like a lock and he went over there he dropped a 50 piece uh but they're an Embiid injury which we're seeing happen right now where they would be irrelevant in the postseason as good as maxi has been the knicks do have a chance the number is nice however the heat have depth and at some point, that does matter. Even though I don't think the Heat are very good, depth can play a role at times. I would be scared of the Heat at, for my Knicks ticket, of them knocking them out early in the playoffs if they met.
3: I got a quick question for you guys on Jalen Brown. What is it that he does exceptionally well? Supposedly guard the perimeter? Supposedly? Isn't that why you brought in yeah, Drew Holiday? Not,
4: not, the the Jalen Brown thing, I've never been a... But I actually... By
5: the way, I'll book your Heat. To no, I, they I, I, why would I do it when I have, I have the Knicks? I'm saying I, they fear me for my Knicks ticket. That's what I would say. Don't, don't be. I'm telling you,
4: don't be afraid. The Heat are terrible. And I don't think they're going to get I. We always wait for the Heat and the Heat culture and all that kind of stuff. I've watched them this year. Not very good. Here's the thing that I, I know Boston fans would push back and say, well, you're Tatum, you're Brown. And all of a sudden, right before the game, LeBron and A D aren't playing. It's hard to get up for it. That is the point. That's my point. Yeah. You shouldn't <laughs> you you shouldn't have to get up for a LeBronless and Anthony Davisless Lakers team. It shouldn't matter. You should literally pummel them. We should still be wearing your warm ups like Larry Bird
5: shooting threes. It's Lakers Celtics. You should always be up for that one. It's the rivalry. Yeah, it's it's a weak spot. In their mentality, like if you were a killer, totally you is. you kill everyone who walks in the building like that. That's the goal. I, you're, you're, you're you're playing us. You're going to die tonight. That's it. Tatum is a wonderful player when it's,
4: you know, nah, he's not that dude. Know. I'm sorry. He's not that dude. I'm, but, I, but I was just going to finish when it's game seven and you need a bucket. You're not terrified of him. That's my point. You need, like, to be on that level, you need ball in hand, end of game. I'm on the other team, and I'm terrified he's going to score. I don't feel like that with Tatum. And Milwaukee's got two of those guys. They do? Absolutely do. I did. Mil- Weird. The doc piece doesn't help. And Milwaukee, by the way, just went to Portland and lost. Yeah,
3: yeah, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, the one thing I'll say is, look, that was Dame's return game there. I thought the Blazers would be up for that game. The number was, I think, nine and a half. But... Uh, for me, with Milwaukee having won a championship already, when a team has accomplished that, I think their whole focal point is through 82 games, position yourself and be healthy for around the middle of April.
4: Yeah, you're probably right. You're pro- you're both probably right about the Bucks. I, I would Giannis, even though he's like this nice Greek guy, he's a psychopath. <laughs> he plays his ass off in the middle of February. He's not. He it's he's a bit of a different. He's got a different makeup than Jason Tatum.
5: Where do you come down on the Sixers, though? Like, obviously, the Embiid piece, him getting hurt, playing the best basketball of his career. But, I, dude, I have questions about them in the playoffs just because I, I love Tobias. I think Patrick loves Tobias, too. But Tobias just has never elevated to what I really thought he could be. Again, another dude who's just not the killer you need to be when it matters. They,
3: they have that guy on the roster. His name is Tyrese Maxey. Well, th- 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 you, need, you need a third. You need a third in the playoffs.
4: I, th- I love Maxi, I love Maxi. I, so do I. This is where I'll have to like kind of remove my bias. I am a permafade and bead guy. So I, I'm going to have to reevaluate how I approach the 76ers as we get close, closer to postseason. That would be my answer. I just never think he's going to come up in a big spot. I'm remembering him in a big spot, missing a layup. But he's seven one. Maxi is a guy we'd all pay to watch in person. Yeah, Maxie's awesome. And he's a, you know what Maxie is? He's a killer. He's got that dog in him. Dalen Cuff, next college basketball.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on v
0: the sports betting network
4: sharp money become a Vsin pro for $1.99 use that promo code sharp daily best bets betting splits big game betting guides and more visa.com slash subscribe sharp money presented by DraftKings. kings i'm all shaw dustin Sweetelson. i'm patrick maher of course march madness will be here sooner than you think to discuss some college hoops dalen cuff is going to join us espn college basketball analyst sirius xm host of course the captain at Columbia. You can hear him on ACC radio on Sirius XM. In-game studio analyst for ESPN. He's going to be on the Bonnies at Dayton tonight. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Yeah,
8: what an intro.
4: thank you buddy appreciate it bonnie's dayton that's not a bad game tonight actually our next guest has a bet on that one let's go acc because this weekend is awesome duke north carolina set us up on the matchup
8: yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting and i've seen you know starting to see some lines leak out of different places i mean carolina should be favored and and it looks like it's gonna be between the four and five point range in some places so um I really do think Carolina's defense is underrated. I think people always think about them as up-tempo and they've got guards and maybe Armando Baycott pops into people's minds to remember him from the Final Four team two years ago. They're not as reliant on him. They've been suffocated defensively. Yes, they lost midweek. I think it was a classic kind of trap game situation. Went to a Georgia Tech team, was able to isolate them, space them, and and drive. And they got a very friendly whistle in the Pavilion that that helped them out in that game, especially early to get some fouls in the second half to get to the free throw line. But overall, I think Carolina's a better team than Duke. I, I, I trust them more. Four and a half is, is substantial in this rivalry. We've seen it come down to literally a possession many, many times. I, I do wonder how some of Duke's young players respond to being in this rivalry for the first time, Jared McCain in particular. Um, so I think this, this is just the early on. I'm probably leaning towards laying the number with Carolina, but uh, we're to have some conversations and make sure everybody's healthy because Duke's had some injury issues that have, have been, you know, they've kept them pretty under wraps at times until about 24 hours before the game, maybe less than time of that before the game. So We'll see where we're at from a health standpoint. Hopefully, everybody's good for the Dukies, but I lean Carolina in that game.
3: D.C., Houston is a Mm -hmm. a one-and-a-half-point favorite at the Fog. (laughs) Can you explain to me how and why?
8: Here's the deal, guys. The whole world's going to be on KU because KU getting money at the Fog, and uh, I've just been processing this the last 20 minutes or so. I think I'm going to lay the points with Houston. And here's why I, I think that their lack of depth with, with Kansas it has shown up already this year. They've struggled on the road. And there's times in which this Houston team just is relentless in how they come at you, particularly how they guard the post. So Hunter Dickinson needs to score for them to be good. They double the post every time. So that this is going to hurt his ability to be effective in the game. And then he can play out of it. And yes, he can play out of it well. Another big piece is Kevin McCullough healthy. Remember, he did not play midweek against so Oklahoma State. But, uh, but Bill Self said if it was the end of the season and a game he had to go, he probably could have. It's a bone bruise. Again, physical game with a guy that may not be 100%, who is one of the best two-way players in the country, and they only have really four guys. Johnny Furphy has pop, popped up here. Dewan Harris has to want to look at the hoop. K.J. Adams is going to give you defending and rebounding and anything bonus. Outside of that, they get no bench scoring, and I think Houston's going to be able to find a way to win this game. The under is probably the more particular play I would like here, if it's, especially if it stays around the 133, 134 range. I think the winner of this game is in the low 60s. But bear in mind, Houston Kansas the last couple of years, they can't be beaten at home. I mean, they got thrashed by TCU by 20-plus last year. The year they won the tournament, they got beat up by Kentucky by almost 20 points. The year before that, they lost by Texas by 20-plus points. So that that happens, that they don't always show up at home. This may be the day. So I'm gonna, I'm, i i I think Houston may be able to cover this small number on the road.
4: Um, Amal, I hope our bosses aren't listening because DC is going to take our jobs. He's talking sides. He's talking totals. He is, he is yeah. all pa- over Patrick. it. You,
3: Patrick, you don't know this, but we could keep him on We could talk Premier League for another 20 minutes with him. about to say, Amal uh, I'm, I'm knows what's up. We've been doing this for a few years. Yeah. He knows the deal. Uh, I was going to ask him, if we run out of basketball, which we got, this is, honestly, DC, this is the best weekend in college basketball in years. I mean, this is yeah. unbelievable. People forget SMC and the Zags are playing in Spokane, Patrick. This is unreal. Mm-hmm
4: and tennessee bitter yeah. after my Gamecocks kentucky. took them down they head to kentucky what about that matchup
3: what's the
8: what do you guys got on the line there i've seen the screen okay one and a half uh volunteers on the road to kentucky uh, wait what okay that's what i'm looking at. i'm looking at your screen right now you got volunteers laying a point and a half at uk right we're going with the blue Hold special <laughs> you want the blue plate special
3: give me carolina give me kansas and give me kentucky yeah, yeah.
8: This is blue bloods abound. I'm sure. Guess what? I'm sure the front page of all our apps will be, a, be like a, a blue blood's parlay. That's probably going to get mauled this weekend. <laughs> not all, they're not all hit. Okay. Um, I will say this, this is another issue. Kentucky's offense is just spectacular and how they score and how they play is it's mesmerizing. They don't want to guard anybody. Like they have zero interest in guarding anyone and, and Reed Shepard has got great hands and instincts. But he's just as guilty as everybody else as getting lost at times. And there was no more evident than the game deciding play against Florida in the middle of the week. Shepard's staring at the ball, and there's they're down three. Walter Clayton relocates to the top of the key, wide open. He comes flying out at him, flies by, and then he gets a wide open three. Like that, those type of those small things are extrapolated over the course of forty minutes. It's error after error defensively. It's hard for me to believe that Kentucky is going to beat a Tennessee team that I think is more sound. On both sides of the ball now being at home does matter tennessee does have dalton connect they're different than teams we've thought in years past and this year they this this week sorry they played at home against south carolina same thing a trap game they were looking ahead south carolina popped them in the mouth but south carolina controlled the tempo of the game defended and made it physical and tennessee could not score at the level they have all year what did i just say about kentucky they don't do any of that so i really think that this is a game that tennessee could could walk in here i don't with the totals of 160 Definitely like the over. The over is the play here in the game uh, overall because, I mean, Kentucky can score, although Tennessee's defense is good. I think Tennessee wins this game in a game that's probably like 85-82. Something very similar, a very similar look maybe to the Florida game with a little more defense by the Volunteers.
3: Listen, D.C., you make a great argument, Patrick. I think he makes a sound argument and reason for Tennessee. But here's the question I have for you. Connect scored 31 out of 59 against South Carolina. Yeah. Who is going to step up? Because you're going to need a second and a third score on the road at Rupp. I just feel like the way Kentucky's offense is, and you're right, their problem is they're trying to go old, loyal, and Marymount and just outscore you. There But, you it, go. Do- <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be working consistently enough.
8: It, it can't because you just can't rely on that in college basketball that every night you're going to be able to score that many points. So they've done it a lot. But the times when they've defended better, I mean, think that Arkansas game was it, uh, about a week and a half ago. They didn't score that well, didn't shoot it that well, but they actually were a little more connected defensively. It helps that Arkansas is a hot mess right now, but they were able to at least get some stops and and and, and make and so keep in that game despite not playing well offensively. To your point about the volunteers, I think Sakai Ziegler has to take the onus back on him like he was this time last year before he tore his ACL. Those are the best point guards in the country. I think he's got to believe and know that as good as Dalton has played, it doesn't have to be just him. I do think they have to play at times. Uh, Jonas, they do. has been really good in pick and pop situations, popping and knocking down 15 footers, good at a dunker spot. Like he's got to want to assert himself. And then guys like Santiago Vescovi, as offense is going. And I think the ball, when the ball is moving and not sticking, that really helps. South Carolina grinds you. And that's what, again, what Kentucky doesn't do. When that ball has energy and it's moving for Tennessee. I think you can see other guys that will step up. And we've seen that this year too. I mean, Vescovi when he's, Stepping in and playing out closeouts and stepping in and knocking down threes, that's when he's at his best, when he's not off the bounce all the time. I think the lack of, say, defensive you know, fortitude that Kentucky has will play into a Tennessee team that needs to have other guys score.
4: DC, you've got a good one tonight, a ranked Dayton team hosting the Bonnies. Now, I don't want to get you in trouble with the spread. I'll just say a friend <laughs> I know is going to lay the seven and a half with Dayton. That's all I'm saying, going to lay it.
8: I will say this. Uh, last year before, uh, let's say the company that employs me got their own sports book involved. I may have leaned into this a little bit more, but we're going to gonna take a step back and we're just going to say that Dayton at home is really, really hard to beat. and uh, I think they are the superior team in this matchup. A lot of them mean St. Bonaventure has to have their A game. They have to start well to finish well in in, in competition in this game. Look at the unders, though. Dayton, I've been riding their unders all through um, A-10 play. A lot of times, their team total unders with opponents. George Washington this past week. Um, the Richmond game last weekend got... It was... it was, Depends on when you got that line. You got a 134, you were good. You got a 132.5, a tip. Sorry about that. But that's something to look at here, too. Because defensively, Dayton's one of the best teams in the in, in the conference. They're playing the best defense. But they've started... They play the slowest tempo in the country, arguably. It's 358 out of 362. And uh, St. Bonaventure's bottom 100. I know Bonneys wants to make... You know, the Flyers work on the defensive end, so I don't expect them to be playing very fast either. Uh, and UD Arena is a hard, hard place to play. So I, I do think that we're going to look at a situation where it could have another low-scoring game, a game where Dayton kind of grinds you out. They get to 67, 68, and maybe Bonnies get to 60.
3: Patrick, I'll just say this. He's going up against Kentucky and Kansas. Uh, Self has lost 17 games in 20 years. He's probably got Aston Bill a win in the league anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Wait, no, is it Aston Villa or is it the Gunners? Are you Arsenal or no, no, you Aston I'm a Villa? I'm
8: a, I'm, a, I'm a Gunners guy. I think, I think I'm all saying that I would do something as stupid as have Villa winning them. That's, yeah, right that's, right that's right. exactly what right. I'm right. saying. He knows, uh, he knows. What he's saying. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down here, my friend. I, I got you. But, hey, that game Sunday, Liverpool-Arsenal may decide second place in the EPL. I, I don't think either one of them is ultimately going to, to hold on and hold off City. But I hope we have a fight down the end here. But Sunday's going to be a big one.
4: Some emotion with Jurgen Klopp on the way out with the Gunners That's and Melchior Arteta. Dolan Cuff, that was about as good as it gets. I hope hope we can have you on during March as well. Thank you so much for that.
8: It's February second. You guys can have me on every one. It's <laughs> okay, <2nd>. then, <laughs> let's
4: go. we're gonna hold you to it then. And, gotcha. and good luck on the call tonight. The Bonnies at Dayton, of course, at Dolan Cuff on Twitter. Thank you, Dolan Appreciate it. Hey guys, be well. Thank you. He, 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 but you're right guys. He was awesome, man. That was, that's about as good as it gets. We'll come back with more, more college hoops here. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
1: podcasts.
4: This
3: is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the
0: Sports Betting Network.
4: Okay, Super Bowl 58 and DraftKings. Good combo. Bet $5, get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you use that promo code VSIN. V-S-I-N. Again, new customers, DraftKings. And Super Bowl 58, official partner. Use that promo code VSIN. V-S-I-N. DraftKings, the crown is yours. We welcome you back. Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. I'm Patrick Maher. We've got Mike Samich coming up in just a bit. He is on the Flyers tonight, so Dayton... And Dalen was just on the show. He'll be on the call for ESPN tonight. Amal and Dustin, I'm Patrick. We welcome you back. I'm going to say this and I'm all you can react. So I've been going hard. I told Dustin, he asked me what I was doing last Saturday and I said college basketball. (laughs) Like I just started digging in and then been watching games nonstop this week. I'm going to say this about Houston. Okay. Now, don't laugh at me. I... I think they're the best team I've seen just from, again, watching three games of theirs. The the win over BYU, Kansas State, okay. The overtime win over Texas. And what I noticed was, I don't know if they're as good defensively as last year's team or the team before, but they're still right there. They defend the three. They turn you over. They're not going to turn the ball over. Now, offensively, you know, it's not like they're going to shoot a crazy percentage from three a mall. But again, I watch the Samson teams. I watch Houston. and I just think every time I watch them, it's just grown men. And
3: right now, who would you put above them? One team for me, Connecticut. I think the Huskies are the best team in college basketball because their efficiency on the offensive end. Houston only shoots about 44% from the floor, but they are good from beyond the arc. Uh, Jamal Sheed's been outstanding. They're 35% as a team. But Patrick, I think you make a great number of compelling arguments in favor of Houston. I talked to a guy who had played a couple years ago against Houston. He said one thing. You cannot simulate what they do on defense in practice. Nobody plays with that type of intensity for 40 minutes except them. If they get any kind of consistency in terms of shooting guys and they're not only a final four team they are a national champion but even if they don't have a great night shooting the basketball they can still beat you with their c offensive game if you don't bring your a game offensively against them
4: Check this out, boys. So, again, whatever people think of Ken Palm, he does do a lot of work with the analytics. And you take a look defensively. I'll just stick with that theme with Houston. Adjusted efficiency, they're the best in the country. Uh, Effective field goal, best in the country. They turn you over, third best in the country. And then you go down to three-point percentage against, Eighth best two point percentage guess in the paint. First best in the country of all. A block percentage best in the country. Steel percentage second best in the country. What am I saying? That guy can coach, and they're active.
3: I, and also, guys third best offensive rebounding team in college basketball the missed shot is part of their offense it's not just oh we missed a shot this team is relentless it is hard to play them because nobody else gives you i, I equate it to imagine five russell westbrooks for 40 minutes that's what this team is they are relentless <laughs> it's a good one it's a yeah thinking about the texas
4: game you're right it like If he now he got into texting before most, Mr. Sampson. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and (laughs) is
5: what he did then, would that even be a penalty? I don't even remember the details. I think it was like it was at Indiana, right? It was just too many, right? Yeah,
3: thousands of text messages, yeah. He he is
4: players listen to him. Because to get him to focus that much year after year on defense and
3: be that active, that is that's impressive. It was Sasser and who was the other guy? Well, Sasser um Last year was Jerace Walker. Yeah. And if Sasser didn't get hurt two years ago, it's kind of like the Kenyon Martin thing, right? When Kenyon Martin broke his leg and they didn't win the national title, Sparty did. I think Houston would have won it. Last year, they had a lot of pressure because it was in their home city. I, ju- I just like about his teams, is, especially in
5: March. They always dictate the pace and the terms of the game. Like every game they're in, it's played to their style. They they never have to play to someone else's to,
3: to Patrick's point about Sampson being such a good coach. The one thing I love, I, I, there's no team in college basketball I like watching more probably than Houston, because I find it so fascinating how everybody can switch to four or five different positions defensively and then just play with that level of intensity on every possession.
4: Yeah. No, that's a good point. Look at this run they've been on. They beat Texas Tech, Central Florida, BYU, very good team. Kansas State, okay. And then Texas, that's, uh, and they've got Kansas at Kansas. That is crazy. Now, their lane at fog, that is wild. Like, Kansas never loses at home. What's been up with your boy, though? Who's
5: that? Hunter Dickinson.
3: Hey, he's struggling. Things he's have not, slowed up it, a little slowed a in, He hasn't played particularly well. But, you know, I mentioned it. 17 losses in 20 seasons for Bill Self at home. Number now jumping up to two and a half here. Houston is the better team. Remember, there's a return trip to the Fertitta Center for the last game of the regular season. I believe that's on March 9th or so. Um, so either way, pay attention as we'll have a return trip later on. But, guys, I, I understand The argument, Patrick, just laid it out beautifully in terms of how and why you'd want to take Houston in this game. I just seen too many teams, good to great teams, go into the fog and come out with an L. And D.C. laid it out in terms of teams that have lost there. We saw TCU boat race them last year. And I'll be honest, I thought Kansas got a very fortuitous call at home this year. A... um, a flagrant foul against TCU with about 40 seconds remaining. That changed the balance of the game. thought TCU was going to win that basketball game. So I think Kansas needs to step up and prove that they're among the top teams in college basketball. We know Houston's there. We know Connecticut's there. Patrick, I don't know where you might be on some of the other teams. Is there any other team that you've seen or just statistically that's kind of impressed you that you say, hey, these guys are Final Four. Cut down the net's good. Well,
4: sit. Uh, not final four, but I'll give you an example. I watched the Cincinnati Kansas game at, at Kansas. Cincinnati went up at the break. Yeah. And then it was just like, there's just so much pressure playing in that barn. And, but Cincinnati's a very good first half team anyway. Betters know it. But that was a team that impressed me. And it, Maybe it didn't impress me as much, Amal, as I started to pick apart Kansas in that first half. And then Dickinson, I believe, was good in the second half from what I remember. But that was a team that was good there.
3: I, that, you, you brought up a good team in Cincinnati because it's unfortunate that this league is so ridiculously deep. It's crazy. You don't realize, like, the Bearcats are a good team. They just have to go to Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas. Yes, I mean, I mean, it's
5: it's going to be weird how the the realignment we talk about it impacting football. How is it going to affect March and how many teams are getting in the dance and how well, many small schools versus
3: these lower tier? Because the Big Twelve put almost the whole league in. Well, right now, think about this: when you're adding the Pac-12 teams, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. I mean, it becomes an, about, an insane basketball. It's league. an insane basketball league. I'll give you the team
4: that's not going to be popular, but I watched Bama beat Auburn and then I believe they just beat Georgia. Yep. I mean, his teams are always going to shoot, obviously, specifically from three and actually they're hitting their twos this year as well. I would say Bama, but I get worried about them come tournament time.
3: I would agree with you there, but I like Sears' experience in the backcourt. He's been tremendous. Estrada's done a really nice job for this team along with Nelson. I I don't disagree with what you're saying, but this team can shoot the basketball, to Patrick's point. Guys, they're almost 40% from the three-point line, one of the best three-point shooting teams in college basketball. They are – I don't know if there's a more fun team to watch in college hoops than Alabama. Um, Yeah. they, They are a ton of fun. I'll tell you one thing. I know Kentucky's got a lot of haters, and I've always been a big blue hater. But Kentucky is a force offensively, defensively. They've got some issues. We're going to find out. By the way, guys, I don't know if your books have it. Take a look. To win the SEC, don't discount his Patrick South Carolina Gamecocks, guys. Hey, I'm just saying. Hey, like, listen, I was that. going through the I was going through the conference list of teams that can win the leagues, the Big Twelve, the SEC, and I'm like, dude, they just beat Kentucky. I mean, they murdered Kentucky at home. And if you watch that game against Tennessee, the volunteers will look like they were holding on to a cliff and just barely hanging on in that basketball game.
4: Well, you brought up the point about when I watch Tennessee, I'm like, connect is all world. Yes, it terrifies you. He's a big that can shoot from outside. But who else is going to step up for Tennessee?
3: Well, it's the guy Ziegler. You better answer the bell on Saturday night if you want to have that, a chance.
4: That's the, that's the answer. You got hurt in the tournament last year, didn't he? Yep.
3: Yeah.
5: Dustin, you want to ask them all about a team? Yeah, I got to run a team by you. I don't know. You don't love some of the mid-majors. This is a team that I, I, I traditionally like backing. They went to the Elite Eight a year ago. I've watched two of their games. And I'm talking about Creighton. And the two games I watched... Triple overtime, uh, Seton Hall was it last weekend, two yeah. we- or two weekends ago, and Providence, who they struggled with, and Providence didn't have their best player. He was injured. Ho- Hopkins out for the year. Yep, and they got Cal Brenner's, a seven footer, and they're getting out rebounded by like these six, seven, six, eight guys. Does Creighton have the DNA to get back to the elite eight?
3: The problem with Creighton is, now here's the good and bad for Creighton. Their starting five is almost as good as anybody in college basketball. They can score Cal Brenner, Ashworth. These guys can shoot the basketball. They have no depth. Foul trouble or injuries are going to derail this team. That's a serious concern. You will look at a box score over the weekend when Creighton plays. Three guys will have 38 yeah. minutes played, and then a fourth guy will have 36 minutes played. They have no bench. Miller's good. They, they can really light it up. I'll tell you right now, tonight, Butler's getting 10 and a half, uh, going on the road to Omaha. I would look at Butler here. Dad model's done a nice job, but I think that's a good team you identified. They're a dangerous team. They get the right matchup. They're gonna be able to outscore a lot of teams. But in the tournament, don't those benches shorten up? Could that benefit they, they them? They do, but remember, the timeout during the regular season is two minutes. During the NCAA tournament, the T V timeout is three minutes.
4: Yeah, and you just outlined the perpetual issue with mid-majors. You can have a good starting five. How is it possible to have depth at a mid-major? And that is, that's is—that's a great point by you. We can continue the college basketball talk with our buddy Samich coming up next.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host